0: Unsilenced Voices of Young Tibetans is a podcast presented by the Foundation for Nonviolent Alternatives where young Tibetans share their personal stories, experiences, opinions and journey in exile. Tashi Dilek and welcome to our FNVA podcast, Unsilenced Voices of Young Tibetans. People around the world are given daily updates of events and occurrences happening around them day in and day out. It is the reporters, the journalists, the editors, the cameramen, the technicians and several other invested individuals who form this large entity known as the media. They bring telling stories to our screens and are referred as the fourth pillar of democracy. And today on that context, I would like to welcome our guest. She's a journalistic individual to say the least. And we first came across each other at TCV Suja. She completed her UG from Lady Sriram College and her PG from the Asian College of Journalism. She has worked professionally as a journalist in Bayou Media and The Print. Welcome to our podcast, Zumbala.
1: Uh, thank you, Damjila. I've been a podcast enthusiast for long, so I'm very excited to be on this show. Thanks for having me.
0: No, no, the pleasure is all ours, Zumbala. So before going to the knit and gritty, I think it's a term which our previous guest, Tilela <laughs> was constantly using. Like, I would like to ask you whether you could share your experiences, the childhood experiences for that matter, especially mm-hmm. growing up as a twin.
1: Um, yeah, so I have a twin sister. Her name is Tenzin Docker, And it was always a huge blessing for me to have her in my life because she has been through... Uh, we have been through tough times, and she has always been with beside me, like you know, supporting me, motivating me to always do better in life. So yeah, I I cannot thank God enough you know, for mm-hmm. having her in my life. So Jolkar and I also, like many of the Tibetan kids, we started going to T.C.V. school. Uh, we were six. We were only six years old when we were enrolled in Tibetan School Lavor Daramsala, is a boarding school. So. Honestly speaking, I used to hate boarding school a lot because I used to miss (laughs) my parents. And yeah, Doker and I were the kids like who used to go to the washroom and like, you know, cry our eyes out when Mm -hmm. our parents like, you know, drop us at the school after vacation. So yeah, uh, initially I used to hate boarding school, but um, on a technical, like on a more serious note, I think TCV has really shaped my thinking uh, as an earlier kid, as as a very young kid, because uh, I believe that, you know, uh, in TCV, most of our teachers and, you know, the staff would like, you know, make us realize that, you know, uh, we we are someone who is living in someone else country so there was a teacher in tibet there was a tibetan teacher who used to always like you know reiterate the fact that there are invisible R's on a forehead that you'd never forget it like you know so he would always motivate us that like you know you need to put an extra effort to achieve your goals because you are not living your life for yourselves but you should also think about tibetans inside tibet so you know uh this like whole sort of like thinking really shaped us when we like you know grew up and that was also one of the factors that like you know let me into journalism and like you know i wanted to report about tibet and stuff like that so yeah, i think we will talk about that more in detail later yeah
0: and that's yeah. an that's yeah. an interesting you know like uh feeling and experience that you shared because i myself joined tcb when i was i think third grade mm-hmm. and i remember you know when you just said that like how we would going for boarding school i remember my first day you know i was bawling the whole day it was <laughs> just the second day that you started to realize oh now i'm here i have to study you know like mm-hmm. but regardless of all the personal experiences i definitely second what you say you know tcv has really done a lot for us not only mm-hmm. me and you, but thousands of tibetans and i think it's an honor to study in that school
1: yeah that's right yeah When I look back, it was like you know one of the major takeaways from my days at t c v school was the fact that like you know it really sort of like influenced us in the way we see the world in the way we like you know perceive our identity in the way we learn about the Tibetan struggles, how like, you know, Tibetan inside Tibet are dealing through a lot of stuff and how the world are like, you know, looking at our issues and stuff like that. So like, you know, TCV, I think played a major role into like, you know, shaping our life choices, our career or for that matter. Yeah. I I think I still think so. So whenever I have my discussions with my friends, we used to talk back about how like, you know, um, Very little things that, like, you know, maybe the advices that the teachers gave about the art thing, it's still very much ingrained in us when we grow up. So it's like, you know, it has very deep down effect within all of us as an individual. I mean, personally, for me, it has. Yes.
0: I think it's not only for you, even for me, I think, like, Uh it will always be in my heart.
1: Mm -hmm. So I
0: think we talked a bit about your school like mm-hmm. TCV so I think we we can now discuss more about like when you left TCV you know
1: like mm-hmm. right after leaving
0: TCV you joined one of the most prestigious women's college in India Lady Shri Ram. Mm-hmm. so what was your feeling when you first entered it and what were your emotions when you left it left the college I must say and yeah. what sort of impact did it have to your overall Tibetan identity
1: mm-hmm. uh so when like uh I was first introduced to LSR by my cousin's sibling. She studied political science there. And so she always spoke very highly of the college. And, you know, she wanted me to get through it. So I was like, so yeah, getting into LSR was one of my primary goals in life. It was like, you know, the first bucket list sort of thing. So um, when I got through the cutoff and stuff like that, uh, when I first entered the college, I was quite like, you know, still nervous about it. Like the whole experience, I was like, Like, you you know, the imposter syndrome, right? Am I good enough? Do I really belong here and stuff like that? So I was quite nervous at first because uh, like, you know, shifting from a Tibetan school to a college, like LSR was a huge, uh, like, you know, huge change for me. It was a very, the environment was like, huge there was a big difference between what and how we converse in like you know how we learned in civil school and then in lsr because in lsr when i went there i was like most of the people converse in english right they speak in english so i was like we were not used to that and initially i struggled a lot in articulating my thoughts and views like you know uh, interacting with them was also very difficult for me because i wasn't that much fluent so as like am i getting it right is it right like you know am i is are there grammatical mistakes in my sentences and stuff like that but then yeah gradually you get used to it like you know you try to speak more in english and that's how you like you know stop sort of like in like you know improve your fluency as well yeah so when i look back as like you also you may be also realizing that you know in Tibet we don't speak much in english right we just speak in tibetan and 12 years of education, we just spoke in Tibetan with each other, and then you're we suddenly, like, you know, uh, going to this college where, like, you know, all the girls speaking in English, and I was like, okay, now I'm getting the formal, formal stuff, like, you know, am I good enough? Like, is it like, you know, am I just gonna, like, you know, uh, like behind because of my speaking and stuff like that? So yeah, when I first entered college, I wasn't that much, like, sort of, uh, what, prepared for the kind of, like, you know, uh, competition or the like you know because uh there you get like you know you get to meet people who are very brilliant like you know intelligent intelligent women out there so i was like first very nervous but then yeah gradually you get used to it like you know you sort of like improve and stuff
0: yeah like i think that's one thing that we tibetans sort of face when we join you know like when we leave our um, a tibetan school like be it tcv be it homes be it cst mm-hmm. be it even Somewhat a Tibetan school these days, yeah. Like, and the one of the major problems that you mentioned, you know, articul- articulating our thoughts, you know, like we want to say something, but due to our language barriers, it prevents us. But I think, yeah. like, having those experiences, breaking those barriers, like coming out from it, like mm-hmm. we grow up and become more resilient,
1: yeah. That's right and you know at one point it's it's very frustrating like you know when you're not able to express your thoughts and views it was i was at point like you know i was so frustrated like you know did i like you know put it right did i put it right or like you know when when there's class presentation and stuff like that i was like oh my god did i get it right so then yeah gradually you want to like you know better yourself and then you 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 become good at it i think yeah and in elisa the thing was that uh just uh, i was not very much into the department lectures because journalism wasn't into like you know wasn't much about the bookish knowledge so in lsr the unique thing was that i mean the magical experience for me was that uh you know the classroom was not just defined by the classroom but then you learn a lot in like you know taking part in the societies and stuff like that so when i was uh a member of the project society where they like you know go for photo walks and like you know photograph the photography society basically I learned how to use a camera and like, you know, we went for photo walk at, to the India gate and stuff like that. Then you became part of the web society and, you know, gradually you learn how inclusive a society is built, like, you know, so the web uh, society, they, they, it's a, usually it's a, this volunteering based program. So where you can like, you know, go to NGOs and uh, contribute and, you know, do some extra work for the organization and NGOs. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, LSR was a magical experience because not the, not just for the classroom or the department lectures, but outside that, like you know, you get to attend the lectures every week. There's a speaker coming up, and it's just not the journalism department that's organizing these talks, but then you know, English department, the sociology department. So yeah, I was very much enthralled into like you know, going to these lectures than the than then the classes that my department were organizing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's what we, uh, some of us like Tibetans who join Delhi University, be it like LSR or other college. like if, for, if you talk in terms of Gold College, there is Miranda and there are Dalat Ram, like for boys, like go ahead, we have Hindu College. So I think the experience at you, like the beyond class level sort of experience was very enriching and mm-hmm. that is what I get from what you say right now. So a very magical experiences as you say. Yeah, like, <laughs> are.
1: yeah that's right. So magical. Magical Palace they say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now hearing about your college experiences, like I want to ask you, why did you get into journalism Zompa? Like
1: oh, uh, yeah. Uh so it was when I was in my sixth standard, I think. Um, so you have this uh career counseling classes, right? Where you know yeah, the yeah. Teacher would ask you what you're into, what you want to study, like you know, even the basic instinct, like you know. uh, So in my sixth standard, I was like, um, I wanted to become a journalist because I thought, like you know, I had the truth to tell the world about what happened to Tibet. At that time, I was like very much uh, angry about the fact that you know how the world could forget what China did to Tibet and how unfair of the world to even forget about what we're going through, what the Tibetans in Tibet are going through. So these questions. They keep me up at night and I was like, yeah, I have a truth that I have to tell the world and like, you know, I'm going to become a journalist and then uh, highlight more about stuff that's happening inside Tibet that has happened with us. And how wrong was that? So that's that's how, like, you know, I said, like, I'll become a journalist one day and like, you know, uh, tell the world and remind the world of how China has been going through, like, you know, all of these stuff. And even now they're like, you know, doing these uh, have been continuing to like you know violate the human rights uh, situation in Tibet. So that was that was the thing that drove me into journalism. Uh, the fact that like you know uh, I realized that it was not only the Tibetans who were oppressed by the by any superpowers like China. I I grew I realized that there was so many like you know story of oppression even in the Indian society. as Like when you hear about the how low caste people are treated like you know you also get like you know then i also get alarmed i also get angry and i'm like okay i need to tell their stories as well so it's just not then you know as i grew up i was like there's so many people whose voices are oppressed and they are silenced so uh, that's how when i worked with the print and like you know when i went to chennai and lsr i realized that i cannot just be like you know go about telling about just spoke, focus on Tibet and how they've been going through. But there are so many voices whose, were with silence, who needs like, you know, whose, whose voices need to be amplified. And so I was like, you know, okay, so China is not only the bad guy because so any superpower nation, like the United States, they have their like, you know, uh, they have been a bad guy, for example, what I've done to the Middle Eastern countries. It's also very like, you know, they have violated human rights as well. So as I grew up, I realized that China is only not only the bad guy, So even in Indian society, lower caste people, they are being oppressed, they are being silenced. And, you know, uh, when when I went on one of the field uh, story to cover the um, rape of a lower caste girl, I I was also very much angry. The same anger I had for my Tibetans in Tibet, I had that for my, like, you know, Indian people, the, the lower caste Indians. I thought their voices also need to be amplified. So that sort of, like, fire or, like, how should I put this? This sort of, like duty or the urgency kept me going in life so when i worked for the print i sort of realized more that like you know the duty of journalists i wanted i not only wanted to become a journalist because of how because what my tibetans what my brothers and t- uh, sisters in tibet are going through but also because there's so many other people inside the world whose voices need to be amplified whose stories needs to be told so yeah that's how like you know i got like you know much deeper into the journalism and like got a sense of duty about okay i need to tell this to the world so yeah so it initially started when i was in sixth standard because in lower tcv i don't know about uh other tcvs but then uh, in lower TCV, there was in assembly we used to read news stories like you know what's happening inside tibet and what's happening around the world with regards to the Tibetan diaspora and stuff like that. And I used to take part in most of those sessions. And whenever I read about uh, stuff happening inside Tibet, it was all, it was only about, it was in, I think 2018 or, no, no, it was, I think in 2009 or 10, but it was, the stories were mostly about the number of self-humiliation that has been rising. So whenever I read about the headline, it was just, what were the khajam, like, you know, khajam, you know, the last words the Patriots said, and, That also like, you know, very much angered me into like, you know, why, why, why the world is not giving attention to us, like, you know, people who are self-immolating themselves. And yeah, so yeah, in sixth standard, I used to like, you know, uh, so these like thoughts kept me going in life, like, okay, I need to become a journalist because these stories needs to be told. So that's how like, you know, those, uh, I mean, energy stayed within me and then (laughs) I got into this career.
0: That's a very elongated, detailed, and you know, some an answer that all of us must try to keep it in our heart. I think you mentioned anger, but I think more than anger, what you showed here was empathy. I think these sort of empathy of you know, like we Tibetans tend to sometimes become close minded, you know, we just tend to think about why only Tibetans, but the real deal here is it's not only us Tibetans, a lot of people are oppressed, are mm-hmm. being suppressed, and which you clearly mentioned so it was an interesting thing that you discussed so moving on zumpa like you've you've mentioned a bit in your answer right now but you've worked in the five media a Tibetan news outlet and also the print which you mentioned which is an in indian news outlet and has of late been you know getting more traction in the indian media so what were your experiences there and how different was it working for these two news outlets
1: um so uh, with the Payul, I only interned for, I think, two months when I was in LSR. I was in my second years that time. And I took, uh, during the vacation, I went to Dharamsala to intern with Payul. And before that, I wasn't aware of, like, you know, uh, any internship opportunities with Tibetan media platforms. And Payul and print were, like, you know, two complete different Outlets and for with Payu, uh, what we basically did was, uh, so I didn't get much opportunities when I was with Payu. So they didn't ask me to go on field and like interview people like they have been doing now because now people are getting opportunities with Payu as well. But when I was interning, I didn't get much opportunity. So what I was basically told to do was do desk uh, reporting, We just track uh, news and developments happening inside Tibet, happening in abroad, uh, broad countries like United States, UK. And then, like, you know, what is happening inside India, what was happening within the exile community. So, we just basically track these developments and curate reports online, like, you know, just quote uh, reports. So, it was basically desk reporting. Uh, honestly speaking, the learning scope was a little bit limited with Payul. But uh, when I, uh, like, you know, after graduating from ACJ, I landed at a job with the print. And the print obviously was a larger platform than Payul. So, they area focus was also largely focused on politics, governance, and like, you know, military developments and stuff like that. So I also get the opportunity to go on field, which I always wanted to. So I went on field to cover the COVID-19 pandemic. The uh, So there was this uh, instance in Agra where the like, you know, uh, where the doctors were organizing some mock trial due to which many patients died and stuff like that. And also uh, I get to like, you know, went on field to report on instances where like you know i told as i stated earlier a dalit victim was raped and she died so these kind of opportunities sort of like you know provided me a wider ex- practical exposure into how into the functioning of an actual newsroom so yeah and uh i don't like you know um uh, Payul that time wasn't like uh it wasn't a large unit it, it wasn't a large unit so the correspondents they basically sort of like work from home that time but now i think payul has also expanded their uh, members and so they do documentaries and stuff like that which i really appreciate yeah so Zomba, like while
0: answering here yeah. you, you mentioned something interesting about how even though you were like a desk correspondent like nothing much to do was there for like but you were uh i mean requested or you were asked to collect reports from tibet so mm-hmm. like we all of us know that getting information from tibet is very hard no mm-hmm. like we have american pass the rata act Reciprocal access of tibet act, for this particular reason so how what level of difficulty and what were your experiences while collecting such reports happening in tibet which is currently you know occupied by china and a lot of brutal things are happening no
1: mm-hmm. um so uh with the print of so, my uh, ultimate goal in life was to visit Tibet. So, like, you know, all is speaking, I wanted to, uh, like, you know, kind of, like, stay away from doing uh, stuff that might be critical of, like, you know, the PRC. So, I was, like, I've always been wanting to visit Tibet. So, I tried to stay away from it. But uh, on a few instances, uh, I covered the uh for instance uh the the first person i spoke to was a source who was based in south india and he had he apparently had sources within tibet and this was regarding a monk who recently died after he was released by the china in after he was released from prison by the by chinese government and when i spoke to him he like you know he consistently he like you know repeatedly mentioned that like you know his name shouldn't be cited anywhere in the report so you know there was this like you know he was uh, saying that again and again i was like so you should be at ease because i won't be citing your name i won't be like you know you will be uh cited as anonymous so he so you see the level of pressure you know these people have when they speak to indian reporters or reporters of any kind is like crazy like right? you know they they fear for their lives and that was how i like you know sort of Understood the like you know uh, the sensitivity of the subject if they speak to people like us, and secondly, I have uh, one of my close friends in Tibet, and I wanted to do a story <clears throat> on the recent uh, young artist who died, who like who self-immolated himself. But <clears throat> I just like casually, I just you know, I just casually asked if she used to listen to his songs, and then she she completely backed off, saying like, "Don't do it, like you know, don't do stuff like that." So you see the i was mm, I was shocked at her response because I didn't know you know the government is tracking that level you know I mean, I mean the sort of like uh <clears throat> I didn't know they used to track these in detail, but she was very much uh, like you know uh, skeptical about even talking about that subject. I just asked if she used to listen to these songs, so it was very hard for me to like even work on those to st- work on stories like that like you know, yeah. which is very sensitive because uh it really threatens their, like, you know, sort of safety inside but So it sort of acts as a very huge barrier for me to, like, you know, work on those stories even when you want to. And, yeah, that's why I sort of, like, focus more into the stories which is happening inside the exile community so that, like, you know, okay. Uh, because that way you have more sources on ground and, you know, the stories also come out good. So so this was, yeah, the Jigme Gyatso he, um, the source that I spoke to, had his source in Tibet but you know they were quite um uh, skeptical about speaking to me at first and then I was like I'll not quote you anywhere I'll not quote you anywhere and after many like you know requests they were like okay now we'll speak to you so yeah that acts as a huge uh sort of like hurdle for us to even like you know work on such stories but that these stories are extremely important like you know very sensitive as well
0: yeah. definitely is like as you yeah. mentioned we need to cover s- such stories because these are the real you know instances the uh, events the i mean the happenings in tibet like which we outside of tibet must not only know but we must share and your work of journalism particularly dwells on it and you know for me also as a personal experience like i can see these sort of threats you know like how th- See, we are in a way threatened, even though we are not inside Tibet, we are threatened by this, no? such mm-hmm. action, how we can't get information. So this, These levels of transnational aggression is very much pertaining to what China is doing these days. And I think just recently after the 20th National Party Congress, it's more likely to you know increase rather than decrease. And a particular experience that I felt is like, even though it doesn't have to deal with information inside Tibet, like something regarding China, even in India, if you want to collect information on that people are very you know like hesitant to yeah be at course, as you say like so i think this shows the level of in- intimidation factor that china has and i think more or less it would only be growing as they grow yeah. more powerful
1: yeah as you speak about that like you know i also recall a uh recall a moment when i was studying in chennai uh so this was the period when <clears throat> uh, Xi Jinping was coming to meet the meet Prime Minister Modi so the event was like uh, it was a very like you know uh, highly anticipated event and you know I was a journalism student back then so uh, I and a few friends of mine were like you know told to cover uh, how the government is preparing how the government is getting up ahead of Xi Jinping's visit. so we went to this place called Mahabalipuram it's like uh, quite away from Chennai so we went there and and uh, so this was this was like quite shocking for me. It was I was quite uh, surprised and saddened by the way they sort of like uh, discriminated, I, I would say, like so, so we were entering the gate. And as a journalism student, they have no right to stop me because I was told to report on this event. But then, uh, you know, there were five friends of mine and I was the only one who they cornered me and told me to, like, you know, show me your ID. So you said the intimidation factor, like, you know, China really intimidates India. And she said, are you here to protest? I said, no, sir, I'm here to cover the event. So as a Tibetan, I'm here to cover the event, right? So, but as a journalism student, I'm here to. So he said, like, you know, you can't go inside. And none of my friends were asked and, like, you know, questioned about, like, you know, their ID card. They, he asked me to show me my Aadhaar card. So you see, ahead of Xi Jinping's visit, people who look like us, they stopped. Like, you know, they're not allowed, they're not allowed to enter the gate. Just even as a journalism student, I was not allowed to cover the event. Like, you know, so this was, um, I was like, oh my God, I was born here. Like, you know, how would you, why would you do that to me? I was born here. So technically we're an Indian, right? But the way they like you know, treated me and the way they treated them, you, it was heartbreaking for me. And I was like quite embarrassed also because none of my friends were stopped. And I was the only one who was scorned out. Like, you know, show me your dark card. I don't know what should I prove to them, like you so know. I that might... was one instance that, like you know, I mean, it will stay deep within me. Like you know, it was quite uh, saddening as well, but um, it was shocking. It was, it was, it was very shocking the way they treated me. And yeah, even during those instances, uh, there was this organization called some. You know, right? Some.
0: <clears throat> some.
1: Yeah, CHAM. yeah. Some. So uh, ahead of the Xi Jinping's visit, members of some were like, you know detained by the police station and you know these kids these students they have tests tomorrow they have the sessional exams tomorrow but they weren't even like you know allowed they weren't even you know uh, allowed to go outside the police station they were detained overnight just because Xi Jinping was visiting the country how unfair is that I mean I was I went there I went there to meet one of my friends one of my batchmates. she was also there and she told me the whole instance and she was also like you should go away because they also detained you now if you come here so you know they ha- these people have their papers tomorrow, but you know Xi Jinping's more important, <laughs> yeah, so because they didn't even do anything at all, just two days ahead, they would come to the university campus where they're studying, and they would like you know take them away and they used they used to even track their messages. the president his phone was also tracked, so he wasn't able to call anyone I mean, I was like this was this was very new to me, this was news to me, okay, so I was like, did they really do it?" I mean, is Xi Jinping that important? Like, you know, it's like, okay.
0: Yeah, it's very saddening to hear the level of discrimination that occurs, you know, towards Tibetans to an extent. Like, we are yeah. already marginalized being a refugee. But on top of this, you have, like, these sort of inc- incidents occurring. And, you know, like, when you mention Xi Jinping, it's not like we are going to, like, how should I say, perform a violent act. You're going there as normal, peaceful protesters. I don't that's, know why, you know, Xi Jinping or even his entourage has a problem with that, you know.
1: And yeah, this is the second largest democracy in the world. It's like irony, there. It's
0: okay. very ironical indeed.
1: Yeah, so, yeah.
0: You you mentioned such incidents, right? So what was going on feel like when you were covering such report, and how was it as a Tibetan journalist working for an Indian news platform, like like mm-hmm. I think you mentioned some instances. But how would you describe the experience of it and i think some challenges you already mentioned like being a tibetan how it differs from being an indian and are there any more personal anecdotes you would like to share on that
1: um yeah so um so like you know you get that very often like are you from the northeast so that's the that's the like general they generalized us with people from so i get that very often are you from the northeast? are you from Mizoram they, they won't even ask you are you where are you from they would just ask you are you from northeast? are you from Mizoram are you from Nagaland and stuff like that that's one case but during the COVID-19 pandemic like you know um i was told to go to these cremations where like you know uh dead bodies were coming up and like, like you know there's a pile of dead bodies everywhere where i go so this was um uh, I've been mean, during the peak of the pandemic in Delhi, so I was told to go to these cremations in in and around Delhi and see how many on how many bodies are coming on ground. So I used to go to this, uh, I used to go to these places and ask how many bodies have, because there was a huge gap between the actual numbers and the numbers of bodies that were really coming up on ground. So uh in one of the cremation it was i i remember it very vividly it was in punjabi park crematorium where i went it was quite far yeah. away okay. so this guy he he literally yelled at me and like you know in front of all the like in front of a lot of people he, he he literally yelled at me and i just said sir i'm here as a reporter i just need to get the numbers and i'll just leave and then he was like he literally yelled at me and like you know he kicked me out and that was that was um so this was one of my like you know early reporting days and I sort of like lost hope, like, you know, I was quite heartbroken and I was like, what do I do? There was a the second instance when I was sent to a mortuary to like, you know, uh, do a feature story. And then the guard, he literally kicked out me again. And, you know, when these things happen, I don't know whether I'm right to like, you know think in this way or like, you know, even, uh, I don't know whether this is like uh, rational thinking, but I used to like, you know, wonder, will they treat my indian colleague this way like you know if they were in my place will they also be treated this way or is it just me is it because i don't look indian enough so you know whenever i go and feel if i like you know get treated this way i would always wonder i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not saying i'm like you know thinking this straight or am i blaming this on other people or stuff like that or blaming on my incapabilities and stuff like that but that thought always stays within me is this because i don't look like them yeah is this because i look like someone from china is it because i look chinese more and indian less so you know these sort of like i i maybe maybe these are bias like you know the individual bias and stuff like that but i used to get that very often like you know what would they do if like you know if someone else in my office comes here to cover this thing will they be treated this way so yeah during the pandemic i was like um yeah, like I had a lot of these instances coming up and yeah, sort of like and then I went into overthinking and stuff like that. Why, why, why? And then yeah, these things happen sometimes, yeah. But I am not saying I'm right to think that way, but uh it always stays within me. Like I always get that question inside me.
0: Yeah, Zumpa, like the pandemic, especially you know, like the COVID whole COVID situation exposed a lot of things that we humans tend to keep hidden deep inside our heart and it was released i must say like what you felt during your own situation how we tibetans or even northeasterners who look like chinese were discriminated even i have i felt this incident like me and my friend we were just walking around uh, a couple of indian guys like youngsters you know just Mm -hmm. came out in front of us chinese chinese (laughs) so it's very sad to see such situation you know like
1: happening yeah when i was working for the print um Uh, my editor like you know one of my editors she used to show great interest in like you know in the happenings uh, into the happenings inside Tibet and whether it's about the self-immolation cases or whether it's about a person dying inside a prison and stuff like that so she used to like sometimes encourage me to okay yeah you can do it on this you can you know make a report out of this and you can you know speak to these people and you know go to this event so uh, I've always been very much like you know uh, I've always admired her effort into like you know uh, showing great Great interest inside Tibet, and um, yeah, I mean, whatever the Tibetans are going through. So yeah, she's been a great editor and always supportive of the Tibet struggle.
0: Yeah, and also I remember when you were working in print, how when we had this old JNU fee hike fiasco for affecting mm. us Tibetans, you were one of the first one to you know reach us out, and yeah, in a way like we couldn't fulfill our promise because we we are pressured somewhere else.
1: Uh, so. At one moment, I sort of like struggled between being a Tibetan or being a journalist at first. Like, you know, and this was the time when Wang Yi was visiting India and uh, he was just leaving the Hyderabad house in his uh, in his cab. Um, uh, so he, it was just the moment when he was uh, uh, like, you know, coming out from the Hyderabad house. And I was just standing right here. Like, you know, it was this much close. I was this much close to Wang Yi, like, you know, the person uh, and. But I was sent there to cover the event as a journalist. But uh, the urge within me to, like, you know, protest his visit as a Tibetan, it was so strong. But then I had to take a call. So although, like, you know, the uh, po- female police personnel had, like, already guarded me, like, you know, I couldn't say anything. And as, like, I just took his picture and then, I, you know, I showed it to my editors and stuff like that. But yeah, at that moment, you sort of like struggle between. Whether you should act as a Tibetan or whether you should act as a journalist, which you were like, you know, uh, which you very intended to because you were like, you know, just going there to cover the event. And these, these sort of struggles, like, you know, sometimes do come and like, you know, you just need to make sure you take the right card. And i just took his picture and the person who was sitting beside bangi he was looking at me like you know he was shocked and you know he was wondering why is this girl not saying anything because i was a tibetan he knew very well so he was shocked that like you know why is he not shouting anything why is he not trying to like you know grab their cards and stuff like that so yeah that happened
0: <laughs> so this is a very interesting you know like an anecdote that you shared and i feel we tibetans like Need to go through such. I think most of us do, like you share, no? Like how we are conflicted with our own identity, like mm-hmm. whether to give, uh, whether to give, uh, how should I say, whether to give priority to our job or occupation or who we are. So a very interesting one So far, I think more uh, Tibetans should look for and maybe even research into such topics.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. We should do papers on these stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, this one instance, uh when I was in Asian College of Journalism, I was, I've taken this elective uh, call in- Critical International Issues. I was very much into IR, but then I didn't make into JNU and then I, <laughs> and then I like, you know, went to ECJ. So, JNU was my first goal, like, and I wanted to study IR. So, when i was in ECJ, i chose this critical international issues and there was this uh, subject there was this particular separate topic on china tibet india issue okay and uh, this professor um, she would uh, define the diplomacy of t- the tibetan india china diplomacy and she 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 spoke at length about the tibet card like you know she Tibet. sort of like explained that like you know India has not been able to use the Tibet card for so long and that like you know it's like sort of like she sort of hinted at that i'm not saying she said that but she know sort of hinted that um Tibetans the Tibet card has not been useful for the Indian government for for like quite some time now oh, i felt that all my people all my generation of Tibetans who have been living as refugees in India their existence was sort of like defined by the diplomacy that has been you know intended to be like you know played by the indian government then i had a question inside in my mind so i was just wanted to ask that like you know did, did you mean that like you know the tibetan people the way they're given as a Pandit nehru has given us asylum and all that stuff they're not useful they're not useless they're useless now so i just wanted to clarify it to her and then when i s- Stood when I stood up uh, to ask that question I literally uh, so I was defensive in some way okay I was trying to be defensive in some way and I literally broke down because I couldn't defend my existence in India if it wasn't helping the Indian government so I thought like the whole generation of Tibetan who is living in India who has grew up in India and who believed that you know India was our nation they would be kicked out in no second if they are no longer useful for the indian government in case of dealing with china so that thought popped in my mind and i i don't know i started crying i started crying out in front of the whole class and um i couldn't even complete my sentence and my question for the professor so that was a uh, um very uh sort of like as a tibetan student sitting in the class where you are being taught that like you know you 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 mean your cart, your Tibet cart is no longer useful for so the Indian government. Uh, was a very, um, uh, how should I put this? Was a very heartbreaking moment for me, sort um, of like a very overwhelming experience. And like, wow, my existence is threatened <laughs> if I'm not useful enough that. That was the case, yeah. And growing up in India, I've always felt like you know, this was my land, this was my home, like you know, you've never seen Tibet, so. Shimla was my home. So I was uh, born and like, you know, brought up in Shimla. It was literally my home, like, you know, and even in TCV schools, we were always taught like, you know, we should be extremely grateful for what Pandit Nehru and like, you know, Walabai Patil has done for us. And like, you know, no one would have come to a rescue when in 1950s, our grandfathers fled Tibet, like, you know, but Nehru did. Nehru did give us the land to stay. And he even like, you know, as requested by the Dalai Lama, he gave us TCV schools, which was like, you know, which has been the backbone of our Tibetan economy culture and tra- uh, tradition and like you know that way uh, all my like you know all the generations of tibetans are extremely grateful for like you know to panjit Nehru who like you know uh, gave, who like you know did a lot for us and no one would have done that yeah
0: there are many journal- tibetan journalists you know who are women
1: mm-hmm. and are
0: making great strikes like for example <coughs> Yogiwav, someone who pops to mind what are your thoughts on these Tibetan women who are breaking away from, like you know, traditional taboos, stigmas, and in my eyes, representing and making us Tibetans proud and unsilenced through various platforms?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think like I would like you know uh, encourage more people to come out and pursue their goals and dreams and careers. So uh, I don't think we uh, as a Tibetan society a lot need. A lot needs to be done. A lot more needs to be done because the way we are coming out, let's like say, uh, Dojiango is doing great stuff with Indian Express, and let's like say I have worked with the print for two years. But you know, um, we the pace I think at uh, the pace at which we are sort of like coming out and like you know um, working at these Indian organization, I think should be like you know a lot faster. I mean, more people should come up, and yeah as you said, like, you know, uh, Tibetan women are like, you know, exploring their uh, career and goals or dreams, whatever it is. But I think more needs to be done. It's just a a very, like, you know, uh, a very few people have like sort of been brave enough to like, you know, pursue their goals. I think more needs to be done.
0: Yeah, So moving on, like, I would like to ask you whether you have anything to say to our Tibetan sisters and brothers and all those people who you know continue to support us Tibetans regardless of the strong wind that China continues to
1: you know rally forth Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah for my uh, Tibetan brothers and sisters I think um, we you know for me also personally for me you know whatever we try to do in life it was never easy for anyone like you know you know, starting as a journalist for me personally, I can speak for myself personally, like, you know, wanting to become a journalist and then like, you know, uh, like, you know, get like, you know, getting to know the reality, be like, you know, knowing the functioning of a newsroom and stuff like that. It was never easy, like, but then what we need to do is we need to be consistent in our effort, like, you know, to work towards a dream. That I think that is the factor that I believe is lacking is lacking in most of my Tibetan friends and like you know people who are uh, like in the, I mean the coming upcoming generation. We need to focus more more on our goals and realize and you know be prepared to know that it won't be easy for any of us. But then still we need to be consistent in our effort and yeah work toward our goals and make our people proud and make the government proud. Yeah, I think that's my last words
0: so thank you so much Zampala it was a pleasure having you here I think not only me but all our audiences you know learn learned a lot and on top of this your anecdotes were really powerful insights into what a Tibetan you know especially young Tibetans goes through this generation so thank you so much Zampala uh,
1: thank you so much for having me and keep on doing such amazing stuff Dandila. yeah I'll just I'll listen to your episodes every day
0: thank you thank you okay. so much God,